future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Welcome to Live, Love, Thrive Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360karma.com. You know, we often talk about how do we empower women all over the globe. And so today, our guest is actress Lucy Sheftel, and she's going to be talking about a nonprofit that she volunteers for called Action Kivu, and they help empower women in the Congo. And then later in the show, we're going to be talking with author Randy Magid, and she has written a book called Beverly Hills Concentration Camp. And we'll be talking about how she um, is sharing her story about growing up in a household with a Holocaust survivor. So stay tuned for that. And right now, please welcome Le- Lucy Sheftel. Hi, Hi, Lucy. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Um, so tell me, uh, you are an actress, obviously. Um, so that, rare. I probably wouldn't town. even have had to tell anybody, <laughs> and they would have known that. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's so rare in this town, right? Yes. yes. Um, and but I know you're not from LA. No. Yeah. So I'm I'm a Southern girl. Oh, I love that. Me too. I Me know. too. Yep. Uh, was born in uh, DC, which is Virginia. That's, That's considered the South. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll count yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of borderline, but <laughs> I, I also kind of have a, a a New York Southern accent, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to judge um anyway but uh you grew up in georgia right i did wow now that's south that's southern it's gone with the winds yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's it yeah yeah Yeah. and so how did a georgia girl end up in la well i think i was destined to end up in la since i was a child um i was always telling stories and acting them out um always felt sort of a bohemian streak from a very young age. Yeah. And yeah, you said your parents were kind of bohemian, right? They are. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't or, know if they would. I would oh. say they're lawyers um, with some bohemian influences. Oh, maybe. well, that's cool. Yeah. 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 A little bit of the law. Yeah. But they weren't your, like, traditional. Like, they're very uh, progressive. Yes. Okay. Very, progressive, progressive is probably the right word. Democrats. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And so... Um, I'm always interested. Well, first of all, uh, you then left there and did some uh, off-Broadway stuff, right? Oh, how fun. I went to Syracuse for acting and then um, off-Broadway after that. Yeah. Oh, that must have been a blast. I loved living in New York. That's I love that city. I love L.A., uh, but New York is its own animal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're two two totally different cities, aren't they? Yes, and I think Los Angeles, it's sort of interesting. I like to kind of pitch L.A. to Southerners who love New York as sort of the perfect blend of the South and New York City Mm -hmm. because people sort of have a more laid back, you know, mellow vibe out here. Yeah. But sort of the the buzz of New York City. Now, it's so funny because if somebody comes from the country and they come to L.A., they think it's very bustling. Yeah, yeah. You know, very intense. But to New Yorkers... LA it's is very so low key. Laid back. It's laid back like the South. Yeah, exactly. It's all perception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, how did you make your way to Los Angeles? I, you know, it's the funniest thing. I had thought for the longest time, uh, especially doing a study abroad program in London mm-hmm. at the Globe, the Globe to do Shakespeare. Oh, fabulous! Um, I just fell in love with London, and I love Europe. 
and my family is very much an Anglophile kind of family uh, with relatives. And I thought, okay, New York City will be sort of a close second to this uh-huh. and has tremendous theater like London does. Um, but I also love film and cinema. And this is your place. This is my place. Yeah. And, you know, these out here, people can really um, reach a lot of audiences mm-hmm. with cinema and tell important stories and, you know, all these social issues that I'm very right. passionate about. Right. Not that they can't in New York City. Right. But there's more. I, I, I came, long story long, I kind of came to um, recognize that Los Angeles is sort of more of a beacon for that than New York City Well, I do think films and and TV, and I've said this before as a filmmaker, uh, they do help change the world, and they Mm -hmm. do make an impact, and they do help educate people. Um, Yeah, it's entertainment, but it also is very influential, Mm -hmm. you know, work in in making the world a different place, which is something we definitely need to focus on right (laughs) now. More than ever. More than ever. And it's neat, too. I'm so sorry. Um, because it, it it's a subtle way yeah. of making people see other people's perspectives. Right. It's it's not yes. lost in the politics right. of it necessarily. It's a way that people can just you know be a fly on the wall. Right. Like, see. did you see um, uh, Moonlight? I have not yet. Oh my gosh! I am so excited. Yeah, that's a little sneak peek uh, yes. into a slice of life that most people wouldn't wouldn't have a, a have any kind of any. Indication of yeah yeah yeah. yeah. In other words, if unless you're living in that situation, this was like a a poverty drug neighborhood in Mm -hmm. uh, Miami, Uh, and unless you're living in that, you wouldn't know what that felt like. But the movie was so good about making you feel like you were living in that fully resonate with you know situation and and what it was like and how people are born into these situations beyond their control. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's a powerful absolutely. movie. There's a lot of great movies out. This like, is a great, yeah. a great. I mean, you know, yeah. aside from what's happening and the absurdity of the the political sphere, of course, the but, art uh, is really rising to that occasion. It as is, well. isn't it? Especially with um, hidden figures. Oh, oh, yes. Love that. It's wonderful. Love that. You Love know, that talk they about keep women's empowerment. The box office. Yeah, <laughs> like above Star Wars, even. Uh, oh my gosh! Yes, really? I absolutely. didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Go women. Yeah. And African-American women. Absolutely. That's a a great women's empowerment movie, if anybody hasn't seen it. Um, So uh, you came out here to L.A., and somehow you've gotten involved in this amazing, amazing organization that I want to tell our listeners about called Action Kivu. Mm -hmm. Action Kivu. Kivu. But I like your Kivu. (laughs) 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 And uh, it's Action Kivu. Mm -hmm. Dot org. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So let's say that because we want people to be able to find it. Um, and there, you know, tell us how that organization, first of all, got started. Who are the sure. founders? And I, I found that a fascinating story that I'd like to share. Okay. So there's kind of two parts to this story. Yeah. Um, I'll go into my part of this first, um, just for the sake of explaining it. I, upon living in Los Angeles for a couple of years um, and doing the acting thing and being so dedicated to that mm-hmm. because out here you know everyone's chasing their dream yeah. 
And it's so easy to spend your 20s so consumed with yourself. Yeah. And to, and to earn, you know, earning money to survive sure. and just all the normal things. But, you know, I sort of reached a point where I thought, you know, I really have to get plugged in civically now. Yes. As an adult. And give back. Citizen. Yes. Because what people don't realize is when they're all busy focused on, on their art and, and making money. To change the world, too, yeah, ironically. That actually giving back ends up bringing this karma that helps promote and propel all the things that you're trying to do sure. with your career. Yes. And to help the people yeah. that you would want to help through your own art anyway. Yes. You know, right. Right. So um, you yes. got introduced. So I um, was searching for a cause and knew that, uh, you know, people will tell you don't do a cause unless you are 100% passionate about it. Right. Because you won't do it. You won't yeah. go to the fundraisers. You won't. Yeah. It does know, make sense to do something that you feel impassioned to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I knew women. Education for women. Uh-huh. And then I sort of, I've known enough about the Congo in the past mm-hmm. uh, to be very interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some work with a Rwandese survivor back in high school when oh. I was president of Amnesty International. Wow. Funny things. Um, and kind of learned about that part of the world through him, through Jackson. And I um, was working at my restaurant as hostess one night and working with a lovely hostess, co-hostess who's from the Congo. Oh, But wow. she doesn't recall it because they, they moved um, when she was a child. So she's from Valencia. And we were talking about it that night, and I said, you know, I really want to get involved in an organization that helps women in the Congo. Oh, my gosh. And then a woman from the Congo walks into the restaurant. The two of them start talking about Congo. And I'm like, Does, do you know of an organization where I could help these women? And she was like, no, actually, I don't. So cut to, I go out for drinks that night and um, really exhausted. And that's when all the magic happens is when you just show up. And, right, you know, right. Because you said you almost didn't go. I almost didn't go. I was like, I've been working. I don't want to go out. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> and I meet Rebecca Snavely through Kate Haight, mm-hmm. um, who I know through my girlfriend, Sunny. Um, they're co-editors, Kate Haight and Sunny. And, and they work on Transparent, And they work right? on Transparent. Which I love. Which is phenomenal. Yeah, award-winning show by it's Jill Soloway. Talk about change and women. And oh, my gosh. Just across the board. You've never seen a television show like that. Yes. On television. Artistically, yeah. too. Yeah. It's yeah. very revolutionary. Yeah, it's very cool. But anyway, we digress. Sorry. Yes, I can go on every topic. <laughs> um, so I met Rebecca Snavely through Kate Haight, and I step into this cocktail situation, and Rebecca is um, regaling everyone with this harrowing tale of being in a van on the side of a cliff in in the Congo and nearly sliding off because it was rainy season. Oh my and gosh. Kate and Rebecca in a van, children are piling are piling dirt onto the road to keep the van from literally sliding off the cliff. Oh my gosh. I was like, "Oh, why on earth were you in this van in the Congo?" And she goes, "Well, um because we actually started a non-for-profit that helps that partners with a grassroots one." In the Congo. You know, it's so interesting. I always wonder if, like, the minute you put it out there in the universe, it, it, and it. it answers and <laughs> delivers. I, I think they're that. Or if it's some sort of intuition, like you knew you were going to be working in something with yeah. this and you kind of had a premonition. So I sort of set it up, you know, so I wonder, to speak. Yeah, I wonder which it was. But however it was. It was. It was magic. How cool is that? Yes, yeah, what a really, great story. Really was. And so I, immediately oh. you're like, I want to be a part of this. Immediately. I was like, yeah. first of all, Kate, you 
co-founded this amazing non-for-profit based in Los Angeles that helps women in the Congo and partners with a, an organization in the Congo yeah. there on the ground. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, God, people are just so, the more you get to know them. Yeah. I, I uh, actually interviewed another woman that is from the Congo. She she set up uh, media centers yes. there to train women. So it, it, it's amazing what's going on there. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. I mean, the good that's being done through so many different channels. and There are so many amazing women that are doing this kind of uh, selfless work. Um, and how lucky that you got to meet these ladies that started this. They're amazing. You know, we were just talking about one of them is over there now, right? Yes. So Rebecca Snavely. Yeah. Um, she flew from LAX over to Europe, uh, just took a plane from Rwanda into Congo today. Today. Like this morning. I, we were just saying before the show started, like, what kind of a person does it take to do that? Like, to be able to to go somewhere like that, it's very... It's kind of dangerous. And it's, oh, the, U, the United States, by the way, says do not go. Right. Like, don't travel to I, this country. I, I just think that that's such a beautiful thing that someone has that kind of chutzpah and determination oh, and, and Rebecca, heart. And you met her briefly, yeah. I think, at the fundraiser. She yes. is the loveliest, most gentle, warm soul. Yeah, well, and, you'd have to be an amazing, wonderful oh, woman to, to want know. to help people in another country. And, and, and to just put yourself out yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, but she's so brave. That's brave. I mean, all alone. It's yeah. just, and oh she's gosh. she's gathering more of these women's great stories. Yeah. So um, that's awesome. It's going to be. We're probably going to have some phenomenal yeah. um, footage and interviews and insight into all the work that they're doing. Well, I know we have a picture of uh, some of the crafts that you teach yes. the women there. Yes. And give them uh, skills so that they can earn a living. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole thing. Uh, what's that saying? Instead of if you give, teach, is it the biblical? Teach them to fish yes. instead of give them the fish. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. More but or there's, less. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of truth in that. Absolutely. You know, it's one thing to hand people food and clothing, but to teach them how to, to make a themselves. living and sustain themselves and their families is such a beautiful yes. thing. And that's awesome. So I know and we had that. T- oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I know we had that <laughs> picture. And then uh, I, I wanted to hear one of the success stories of one of the other women that you were going to tell oh, us about. Absolutely. Um, yeah. First, though, I'll kind of piggyback off of that sure. and just talk about how Action Kivu sort of works in a in a dual way oh okay um they you know as many people know the congo uh rape and violence against women and children is out of control is a weapon of war yeah and just such a humongous i mean it's a problem anywhere but the way that it's utilized in that culture that has ongoing conflict is just astounding yeah and it's very disturbing though they just passed some law in russia that said uh, that people can have domestic violence and not be uh, prosecuted for right, it. Right, because it's their spouse, something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like something that. Something very backwards. You know, something's wrong with our world when we're saying it's okay for for men to rape or beat women, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's their spouse or not. I mean, just another <laughs> human, human being. being. Right, yeah, hello. Absolutely. So I'm so glad that this human rights and women's rights uh, – movement is is really getting uh on steroids now yes oh because yes. it's been even emboldened in the, <laughs> even in the u.s we we our culture cannot allow for this and we set the tone for all the other Absolutely. women in the world and the countries in the world we're the leader we're the one everyone looks yeah. to so we cannot say that that's okay no and i mean look at what yeah. happened even last night i mean right. elizabeth warren silenced on the senate floor yeah 
red carded, so to speak. And and right. I mean, reading the letter of of a, of a woman has of that Fred ever has King, that ever happened to a man? I wonder. I, well, here's the thing. I don't know. Yeah. But there were men in that contingency of the Democrats who flat out read some of the same excerpts from Coretta Scott King's letter, and they were not. Silenced. Mm-hmm. Ty- yes, I forget the exact term, but yeah. um, it's a very a- until the world realizes, and especially our country, since we're the leaders, that women make up half of this world. <laughs> yes, more than half. Yes, and that until we are half of the decision makers mm-hmm. and and influencers in every industry, every arena, every country, that the world is not going to be in a peaceful, happy place until Mm -hmm. women are at half the table because we bring a different essence to the table, a different thought process, and it gives balance Mm -hmm. to the world at large. Absolutely. And so all of these um, rapes and domestic violence wouldn't be happening with such intensity if more women were in positions of influence and power. Mm Mm-hmm. And so wouldn't that be better for everybody? Yeah. I think so. So, Uh, And, you know, statistically speaking, too, um, I think it's very important to note that women, uh, this is the Clinton uh, Global Initiative that I'm quoting right now, but women reinvest 90% of their income back into their family, into their own families, whereas men, statistically, it's more like 35%. So even that really wow. speaks to this because women not only are at least half of the world population wise mm-hmm. um, I mean if women go on strike then look at what would happen right um, I've heard rumors of that I know yeah I know rumblings Hello, um, wink wink I know <laughs> um, on the other you know I, I would say that um, it just goes to show that women are just one of the greatest untapped resources yeah they are. I, 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 of the Whether you take technology, speaking. science, uh, politics, whatever, when you have both brains at the table, mm-hmm. men's and women's, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be a better outcome for the environment, for world peace, for uh, children's education, mm-hmm. all of those things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, dialing it back to how Action Kibu works, yeah. it's, it's really, it's a very, um, and I was very drawn to the organization myself because of this. It's very grassroots. There's mm-hmm. a man on the ground who is like a saint. His name is Amani. Mm-hmm. I've not met him yet, but right. I will. Yeah. And he um, started his own program for local women there. Because he had cousins who were victims of this violence. Right. And once women are victims, they are completely outcast from society. They can't provide for themselves because of how the structure socially is so patriarchal, sadly. Mm -hmm. Um, So then they're sort of up a creek without a paddle. And his wife trained his cousins, and then all of these women started showing up in this sewing hut. Mm-hmm. And they began giving them lessons, and then he kind of, it grew from there. Mm-hmm. So Rebecca and Kate here in Los Angeles, and and the board members, and myself, and vo- other volunteers like me, what we're doing is simply fundraising and raising awareness I love that. for this grassroots group. Right. So they're deciding the best way to utilize the funds. They're deciding right. um, which trades, all the different um, classes and educational opportunities and, and vocational training. And it's all self-sustaining as well. Right. Um, and because, uh, as is often said, it could be a woman in the Congo that actually has the cure for cancer <laughs> yes. or, uh, you know, invents the next right. important 
vaccine or just or in, or, simply invests in her own family and then her right. children are successful because of that right and action kivu also plays into that role right um offering scholarships and educational opportunities for the children of these women as well right so it comes full circle right so that those children bring all of what they have to bring to the table yes yes Absolutely. yeah it is generational it, it's and all, it's we have to break that yeah. cycle too absolutely you know it's it's one horrible thing to have a victim of a situation but then to also sentence their own offspring right to suffering a similar fate right and just keeping that cycle going keeping we the have cycle to break going. that yeah we yeah. do have to break that with everything how we teach uh the young men in this country to treat women, mm-hmm. how to respect them, mm-hmm. um, and then that permeates into the cultures around the it's world. The zeitgeist, and yeah. and, it's, um, and you're absolutely right that right now it is so critical for us to come together as sisters, sister gods. You know, and it bothers me when people are like, oh, we just want to focus on the U.S. Well, if that's not the most self-centered thing. Well, what happens I to mean, one of us happens to all of us. Right. And we have to care about people all around the world. Yes. Uh, I know some people don't want that responsibility, but... Or it uh, can be overwhelming, and it can yeah. feel like maybe my money or my, you know my innocent knowledge of things is not nearly enough to make a difference. But but. you see, you felt drawn to uh, help women in the Congo. So uh, some other people might feel drawn to do something else. Everybody should have something that's passionate to them, but it doesn't matter where it is. Exactly. Because people are people. That's humanity. Mm -hmm. And so we should be loving and helping wherever we are, in whatever way we can, with prayers, with money, with Just simply being kind to someone on the street that you see and making eye contact with them. Right. Well, it does start with that. You know? Yeah. 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 I had a a, a Lyft driver this morning tell me, you know, uh, he says, I can't uh, affect how other people treat me, but I can affect how I treat them. And I said to him, you're really wise. You know? Yes, that, that is that, great. It's so true. We are letting other people affect us. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't let them affect us. We we should. We don't have any control over right. it. It's not ours to we take on. on. Yeah, we only have control over how we react to them mm-hmm. and how we treat other and people. And what we're outputting. Right. And so I know I've talked to quite a few people that have said, hey, uh, let's keep moving in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. And so... What that would entail is exactly what you're doing. Moving in a positive direction is how can I help the world? And you found something that's passionate to you in actionkivu.org. And uh, everybody needs to find that. Everybody needs to find something that they are are doing to get back. You need to find something that there is a fire. Go where the fire is. Don't go where, you know, there's a little bit of an ember burning. Right. Right. Because that's you know, never some gonna... people it's animals, some people it's mm-hmm. uh, people, some people children trafficking. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I've, yeah. You know, I've had uh, someone on that has a one that helps children with autism. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly one of these things must speak to everybody. Of course, because of our own unique experiences. Yeah. And that is it. Yeah. And yeah. so um, or just what interests you simply. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I find it interesting uh, myself. Why do you think you were drawn to helping women, especially in the Congo and in this situation where they've had these atrocities? Is it something in your story that makes you drawn to that? Honestly, I would say that growing up, um, and I was actually raised uh, for my earliest part of my development in Atlanta. Um, by a beautiful, incredible woman who was a powerhouse named Mary Middleton, Mary Middleton, and I called her May May, and she um, marched with Martin Luther King. 
And uh, my parents just thought she was a tremendous role model for me and just so smart and wise. And she taught me about the civil rights movement from a very young yeah. age. So she was your caretaker. Yes. And look how she influenced she your life. She was a mother figure. That's and so cool. So, so injustice to me, especially out of prejudice. Yeah. You know, it's or whether it's whether it's racially, religion, women, whoever, people who are vulnerable yeah. in any way yeah. um, through society. It just outrages me so much. Yeah, me too. And it takes me, me out of too. me. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for doing this wonderful work and oh, for sharing and, um, this organization. I just want to say, please yeah. check out Ernata's story because I didn't get to it on actionkivu.org. Oh, OK. It's, it's tremendous. Yeah. Great, great. I know you guys are doing amazing things for these women. So thank you. And please thank the founders. Oh, we yeah. thank you for having me. You bet. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll be right back with Randy Magid. We'll be right back. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. Hi, and we are back with Randy. Hi, Randy. How Hi. are you? I didn't want to say your name again because I want to make sure I don't mispronounce it. Randy Magid. Magid. And you told me Magid means uh, storyteller right. in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So how perfect that you're an author. It is. Yeah. Yes, it really is. Did you feel inside yourself that was a gift to be a storyteller? Yes. Yeah. I always wanted to write a book. Yeah. So it worked out. A lot of people do, but um, they're not necessarily writers, you know, which is like, thank God for ghost writers. Because mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people have that story in them, but, you know, they're not they're not a good writer. So fortunately for you, you were able to capture your story and, and, and share it. And thank you for sharing it. I know it's a, a tough uh, subject. Um, it's called Beverly Hills Concentration Camp, and you actually share your story uh, about growing up with your mom, who was a Holocaust survivor. And uh, on the show, typically, uh, I'm talking about whatever people are doing today, and then we visit their background to, to talk about how it affects what they do today. But for you, actually, that is uh, what we're talking about, is your project, your book, that actually is about your upbringing and all the obstacles that you had to overcome to to be the awesome person that you are today, a mom and married and uh, living this uh, somewhat normal life. Does mm -hmm. any of us live a normal life? But, you know, uh, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So let's just share a little bit about the book because I want people to pick it up and get it on Amazon, right? Right. Um, first of all, I can't even imagine uh, growing up with a, a mom that was a survivor. And I know a lot of survivors of the Holocaust won't talk about it. Was that kind of the case for you? Yes, she never talked about it. Very silent. Basically, life was about what we were eating, food, and having a house, you know, a roof over our head, a house, uh, being safe. Well, I mean, I can only imagine, after, I don't know how long she was there, years, right? Yeah. So, and, and unfortunately, she lost her family, her parents and her siblings. Mm -hmm. Her two little brothers, yeah. her parents, everyone. Yeah. Except one aunt. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, 
it's it's even hard. I'm sure it must be hard for you to talk about. It's it's hard for me to talk about and and just to hear your story. Um, but how does someone survive that and go on to to live a normal life? So it wasn't quite normal. I know for you, because when someone goes through something so horrific as this, um, I mean, how wonderful that she survived it and had a beautiful daughter and and sons and a family. Mm -hmm. I know she must be very, obviously, very grateful for that. Um, But I guess you feel the guilt of all the people you've lost. and Yeah, she definitely has survivor guilt. Yes. It feels terrible. And she still lives it. She still lives like she is in a camp. You know, she feels. Yeah, even though she's well off and free. yeah, she suffers every day. Inside. She thinks about them every holiday we have. Yeah, there's her face changes. You Aww. know, it's happy, then her face changes, right. and you know that she's thinking about her family. Right. Why aren't now they you, with us? Well, so. you would think. Um, I guess there's no way for. Is there any way for anybody to put that on a shelf and, and live a normal life uh, after that's happened? I mean. It, you know, I, I know you did say she sh- has shared a little bit about what they went through. I mean, obviously, there wasn't enough food. They were barely clothed. They were cold. They didn't have blankets. I, you sh- we talked a little bit about this. Um, they shaved their heads, mm-hmm. uh, which takes away people's dignity, I think. And, right. uh, you know, and then you were talking about she did mention something about being involved with that doctor who kind of decides who lives and who doesn't. And Yes, Dr. Mengele. So yeah. she stood in front of him and she uh, shows me how he pointed right and left. Um, he pointed for my mom to live and her uh, parents and relatives to die. And they knew that at the time. Uh, yeah, they pretty knew much. it. They pretty much knew it. And, um, you know, she I, just gives I, me I shivers yeah, every time she tells shivers. me. Yeah. It gives me shivers. I, I can't even fathom that. I, I, Oh, my God. I mean, just to even for a moment, that woman is amazing that she's... She's very strong. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You said she's strong. You said she's beautiful and strong, mm-hmm. and that's probably why and how she survived. Yeah, and she just turned 90 on February 2nd. God bless her. Yeah. Awesome. So. Wow. Yeah. But uh, but how sad that it, when they survive something like that, that it does um, torture them the rest of their lives. I mean, it, it breaks my heart talking about mm-hmm. this. Um, but do, does she find some sort of peace and joy, do you f- think? Is she ever in the, I mean, the only way I have ever found that people find peace and joy is to be totally immersed in the present. Is that possible for her? I think she has joy when she's with my family. Yeah. When she's with my children yeah. and my children husband Children bring it out I. in people, don't yeah. they? Yeah. You know, because they're just so innocent and raw and authentic and real. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can you not love that? There's no agenda with them. Right. You know? Right. But, you know, growing up uh, with her, um, I felt like I was um, in a little concentration camp, of course, yeah. not as terrible. Right. Nothing compared I mean, to what she went through. you were living in Beverly Hills. Right. I'm but, living in Beverly Hills. You know, so but, people are probably like, what do you mean by that? Right. You know, yeah. So, so inside my house, I felt her suffering. My father was also a Holocaust survivor. He oh. died when I was four. Oh. So wow. I had it you know, on both sides. And, um, you know, and she's really the one that raised you. Yes. And I, you know, I had two brothers and one brother, um, had a mental breakdown and he thought he ran around the house acting like he was a German soldier and he was 250 pounds and scared the hell out of me. And you said he would shout in German, shout in German. He was actually born in Germany. He knows German and he would, 
scream at me and I would hide and lock the door and hide in my bed in the corner and how terrifying for a little girl it was terrifying and so every day after school you know I went to Beverly High Beverly Hills schools and I came home so you'd go out into this normal world and come home to this dysfunctional world. Exactly. Right. And you're out there trying to be normal. Trying to, very hard trying to be normal and have right. friends and have a life. Right. And I come back and I have to put my backpack down slowly, tiptoe into the house so he doesn't know I'm there. Because if he knows I'm there, he will run in and scream at me and step on my sandwich if I make a sandwich for a snack. Just do, you know, I was afraid. So I would run into my room and hide and lock the door. So this was my life after school. Oh, my goodness. You probably didn't want to go home. No, I didn't want to go home. So I joined a gym. So I worked out. I had hours in a gym. I got a job. Mm -hmm. Anything (laughs) to get out of the house. Yeah. 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 How old were you when you left your house? Uh, When I got a job, you mean? Or when you left home. I mean, oh, as soon as I could get, I got into college. Oh, so, yeah. I made sure I got a college that was far enough away. Right, right. So I didn't even apply to the closer ones. <laughs> right, right. So, I could imagine. You yeah. must be a tough woman. Yeah, I'm pretty strong. Yeah, you had to go <laughs> yeah. through all that. I mean, um, and now you told me a few other stories, um, like, you know, for some reason, your mom just wanted you to have one pair of pants and a couple shirts. And so that's kind of weird, like going where everybody's all high profile at Beverly Hills High, right? Right. And trying to fit in. So I had one what, pair what of five. What was that about? I had one pair of 501 Levi's and a couple of shirts. Um, well, my mom thought that was a lot. You know, if you're if you were in a concentration camp, a and pair you had of nothing. Yeah. A pair of pants and a shirt. Wow. That's something you have. You have enough. Right. And, uh, you know, I'd go to school and at, at Beverly High and at Nutrition, there's girls wearing Chanel suits. And not that I'm a designer person. I, you know, I'm not into that. But it's still, you know, people made fun of me. Sure. Why are you only wearing one pair of pants? Right. Right. Don't you have any clothes? Why doesn't your mother buy you anything? Right. So, and you couldn't explain it to them. No, because I was I just couldn't say anything. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, my brothers got whatever they wanted. So yeah. this is interesting too. It's you yeah, know, that 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 I found odd when you told me that. What do you think that's about? You know, the males are, were more important. They, my mom was raised that way, thinking so, that, thinking that, that wow. yes, thinking that, and who knows how, what how she was treated in the camps. So yeah, but still, the mentality was that males were more important in right. general. Right. Right. How sad. Do you yeah. think she still feels that way? Sometimes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder what it would take to change your mind to realize. I mean, her daughter wrote this amazing book. She should be thinking, rock on. That's you know, true. I know She's she was happy. proud of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she was happy. So so that made you feel good. She was. It makes me feel great. We have a much better relationship now that I wrote it. Yeah. So. I mean, because of everyone in the family, you're the bold one that wrote it. Right. It took a lot to write that. That's a very vulnerable book you wrote. It did. Yeah. It, was, it was hard. Yeah. It was really hard when it came out. I was terrified. Sure. And now I am. Thrilled. Now you feel free. Very free. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting, right? When we shed light on the darkness, it's no longer dark. It's not a secret anymore. And then it doesn't hold power over you, right? Right. So it helped empower you to write the book. And I know you told me you wrote it not only to heal yourself, but to heal other people that live in homes of Holocaust survivors. And other people. This is anybody that suffered a trauma or has anything. I have so much in my book. It covers a lot of issues. Right. (laughs) Right. Because um, you you had an eating disorder, right? Because of the way things were handled in your house. Well, I had. I don't know if I have an eating disorder, but I do struggle with the food thing. Yeah. Now you 
I, I remember this excerpt in your book about you said your mom would go down and buy like all these pastries for breakfast every morning. Every morning. Because she wasn't used to having all that food. And so once you do, it's like, oh, yeah. She look went out, to Benish's you know? Bakery in Beverly Hills yeah. on 3rd. Oh, yeah. She'd walk there. We had delicious things. And right. um, then I learned about calories and that one one Danish was, I don't know, 2,000 calories. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, I, I corrected myself. And that was, like, so not L.A. <laughs> right. And actually, if Since everybody I, in L.A. doesn't eat carbs, right, you know. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, going on a diet or, or watching my weight was a bad thing in my house. I was a bad girl. I was, you know, rebellious. Right. Because, I mean, you, you take a woman who was starved for years and then pull her out of that, and then she must think food is like, you know— a godsend it is it you is. know and so that must be how she it, it, it put it out of whack like she wanted you to eat a lot oh yeah she yeah. had big spreads and she was a very generous person when we had guests right and she had big spreads of food yeah and then she would leave it you know she'd leave it out for the whole day after you know so that if we were still hungry we might pick at something right well if you're walking by maybe you'll grab that cheese slice right you know but i can understand if you're starved like that how you would think you it want it to always love. be a feast. It yeah, that comes, it comes from love. From love yeah. yeah, that's good that you looked at it that way. And that's what I wanted to say in this interview today is that I really applaud you for um, really putting a positive spin on what you've been through. So where this seems like a really sad, grim story, really your message is and your life is that you can come out of this and be okay and that it takes work. It takes determination. It takes understanding. And I think at the crux of all of it is always love. Right, right. And I you think, have to love yourself first. I think you have to love yourself. And then you just love that person no matter what. Unconditionally, you have to say, oh, well, they did the best they could. And it was really tough. But, you know, like you said, the food and things, that was right. love, you know. Right, Yeah. So, yeah, so I took my my healing I, I went to a lot of healers a lot of teachers i bet you a did. lot of alternative things i tried everything yeah i spent quite a bit of money on myself because i have kids and i wanted i just wanted a better life for everyone right so when you heal yourself you're healing everyone around you right you're healing your your whole family rises right. to a different place right so when you got married and i know we have a picture of you uh with you and your husband getting married um and we have a picture of you and your mom um and uh when you got married, had you written the book yet? No. Okay. So you still were having a lot of issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still blocked out everything that happened to me mm -hmm. in my house, mm -hmm. and I carried it in my body. So you did the same thing your mom did, because that was, you, you. I mean, she blocked out everything, kept it inside, yes. and then you, you learned that probably from her, and that's yes. what you did. She told me not to talk about it, not to tell anyone. It's our problem. It's our business. Right. So I kept it in my body. And eventually, I turned my head, I hurt my neck, I could not move, I, I was stuck. Right. And um, my journey was to release the pain, to, right. to get out of the pain. It took me a few years. Right. And um, now I have the skills to help other people. So right. not just with the book, but I became a healer. So right. I help people heal themselves. Right. And um, that's my mission now. I just want wow. everyone to And you to realize feel that that was another gift that you had was the ability to help heal people. Wow. Yeah, because I can feel it in them. I can see it, feel it. I, I know what to do. <laughs> and it's wow. instinctive now. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
What a gift. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's my that's what I tried to uh, wanted to convey today is that you've taken all this you've been through and put it into such a positive life. Yeah. Yeah. And my life just keeps getting better. Yeah. And I'm happier and happier. And I almost don't feel in my body at all anything in that book anymore. Right. I can talk about it, but I yeah. don't feel it. Right. I don't carry it. Right. Because once you process it and let it go, it no longer resides there. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a home anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so when your husband met you and you got married, did he had no idea your background or? Oh, he knew my background. Oh, yeah. But um, I don't think either of us knew how much pain I was going to get into. Right. And that any of this would happen. Right. And interesting thing is that, you know, it's kind of sad, but I we were talking about this yesterday, is I actually, my father had another family, you know, that got killed in the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and he had a baby. So it, the baby got killed in the Holocaust, and so I had a half-sister that died. Mm. And I would never have known that had I not met my husband, whose mother met my aunt in Israel, and they talked about it, and she told them. What a crazy story. Because my mother did not want to tell me anything. (laughs) She didn't. She she was that quiet. Right. So it was almost a little miracle that I knew. I learned a little bit more. Right. And so now I feel even more connected that I had a sibling. Wow. So... It's very interesting That's some story, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, what what is your life like today with your children? And oh, we have a great relationship. That's My great. kids are amazing, smart, high honor students. Um, very. Uh, my daughter's very outgoing, and my son wants to be an engineer. Um, they're both. Amazing. You know, he's fourteen, and she's seventeen, so they're still young. Yeah. But uh, if they ever have any issues, um, we do alternative healing. Uh-huh. We do breath work. Uh-huh. If my son has a little anxiety for it before a test, yeah. he asks for breath work. Same right. with my daughter. Right. So we, we do that. It's fun, and it, it goes away. The yeah. Tension goes away. Wow. Yeah. That's great that you're able to pass that on to them and that they could have this amazing childhood mm-hmm. and upbringing. And, you know, because that's we were just talking in the first half of the show. Um, turn this way a little bit. So we were uh, talking about how generations repeat and so you are breaking that, that you're breaking that, um, cycle? that's the word I'm the looking cycle? for. Cycle. Hello. Right, right. It's that over 40. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, yeah. Breaking that cycle. So right. good for you. Because if you hadn't, it would have perpetuated. Yeah. Yeah. How are your brothers today? Well, one of the oldest one passed away. He oh had a heart gosh. attack. And I have the a one mut- that was the, that thought he was the German? Yeah. And now um, wow. I would say we have a better relationship, <laughs> yeah. but um, spiritually I feel him, and yeah. I, and I, yeah, and I, I know he didn't do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm healed right. from that. Right. Um, the other brother, I have no idea where he is. You have no idea where he is. He no. left. He just took off. Yeah. Wow. And do you think that's because of he couldn't handle the upbringing? Do you think it was? Uh, he, I don't know. He had his own issues from the Holocaust. Uh, I would say, you know, the epigenetics, the, the, the right. inheritance that we have. Right. For, People don't always know genes. what that is. Let's talk about epigenetics. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's what our genes carry from the past. Yeah. So what I found out was that there was a, um, a, a study done in New York at Mount Sinai Hospital, and mm-hmm. uh, 35 Jewish families were studied, mm-hmm. and they were either concentration camp survivors or people who ran. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and escaped it. And escaped. Uh-huh. 
but they had a genetic stress marker that got passed on to children. Wow. And they say also grandchildren in the so study. So the children or grandchildren are born with this stress D, uh, DNA or gene. They call it a tag, uh, but yeah. Yeah. And so it means when they're born, they're like, they're like a stressed kid. Like, is that what it means? I'm not sure. I think it just can come out and you feel yeah. different. Right. And, um, they, because of the past, lo- past experiences of people in your family. Right. Yeah. And so it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it sounds plausible. Right. Yeah. And they also found out that the people who have these genetic markers or tags, they couldn't have gotten them from something that happened in their life now. It had to have come from the past. Right, right. So that's really important research for the future. For other people who have had traumas, it doesn't have right. to be about Jews. It's, right. You know. Yeah. What is your advice to other uh, women or men that are growing up in households with uh, survivors? What would be your... Uh, with survivors now? Yes. I think they should meditate and do breath work, mm-hmm. a two-stage um, pranayama yoga breathing, and find, what, find what's good for you because there's so many alternative things you can do mm-hmm. to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and you can try to help the others in your family, but to help yourself first. Right, right. Yeah, like I was saying uh, on my way here, I had a driver say, you, can, you can't... Uh, affect how other people react, but you can affect how you do. Right. And so I would think in that situation, you want to help and fix that person, but the likelihood might not be there. So the only thing you can do is work on you, which is what you did. Yes, because when I was younger, I felt yeah. nothing but guilt because I could never make my mother happy. Right. I couldn't do you, anything. And at some point you got to a uh, therapy and, and, and realized, oh, it, it's not me. Right. You know, and but there's things I could you could do to make yourself happy and and right. grounded. And somehow I'm yeah. affecting her too. So because writing the right. book, writing right. the book. I mean, I was terrified to give her that book. Right. <laughs> and I just gave it to her, and she smiled at the title. She thought it was hysterical and not hysterical but funny. And yeah. And she she was proud. She said she she had her caregiver read her the book, mm-hmm. and she and my husband asked her, "What did you think?" And she said. Well, it's true. Wow. So I so know I did the right thing. So even though you're writing it and you're thinking all this stuff is crazy, some of the stories you've shared with me uh, are kind of, you know, hard to believe, uh, is that they must they must read it. They know it's true. And it wasn't like they did, weren't aware of it at the time it was happening. But maybe to look at it from the outside in, uh, almost as an observer, Maybe they then realize, you know, yeah, yeah, I did do this, and that probably wasn't right, you know. I, I believe she feels that. Yeah, but maybe didn't see it till you wrote it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think it's helped heal her. I also feel that's like, you a know, wonderful thing right. if it's helped heal her. Right, right. That's got to be rewarding. Yeah, and yeah. we also took videos of her. So she didn't want to do the Spielberg um, show up project. So mm-hmm. one day she let us uh, tape her. So we asked her questions. Oh, my husband wow. and I asked her questions. So we got as much of the story as we could. And in my book, I put in ex- excerpts of what she said. Oh. You know, also to right. kind of. Have your kids read the, read the book? 
Um, parts of it I would read to them. Mm-hmm. But of, not all of it. Not all of it. Okay. But like my daughter's friends got a hold of some of the books and okay. pointed out the racier scenes to my daughter. So now right. she wants to read it. But <laughs> yeah. But she also knows most of the stories. And so do you, what has she said how she feels about it? She's proud of me. She yeah. was so proud when the books came to the house and she saw it. But when she read what you went through, how did that affect her? She's strong. She, I think, very proud mm-hmm. and strong and feels a connection to the past uh-huh. also. It, but did she feel compassionate for what you've been through? Yes. I would think so. Yes. Yeah. Both of my kids. They're yeah. very... Yeah, and I asked them before I put the book out, is this okay with you? Mm-hmm. And they were very supportive. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And your husband? Oh, very supportive. He's amazing. That's um, awesome. Yeah, the whole way. He was just kind of watching me and supporting me, and uh, it was good. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm so happy to have you on and to share this story because uh, every week I always want to showcase women that have overcome obstacles and they're doing triumphant work in the world, and you are just the epitome of that. Thank you. So keep making a difference keep healing people and writing and doing all the good that you're doing because you're helping empower people thank and you and you're a great role model so are you yeah. thank you <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> love it well uh we will be back next week with uh more guests uh live noon here at ubn we're also on iHeartRadio and also uh, itunes and youtube and elsewhere so thank you for tuning in and uh Make it a great week. Hugs and happiness. The Live Love Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. The Live Love Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together.